先生最初はスープからでしょうかそれとも麺からでしょうか最初はまずラーメンをよく見ますあはい丼の全容をラーメンの湯気を吸い込みながらしみじみ鑑賞してくださいスープの表面にキラキラと浮かぶ無数の油の玉油に濡れて光るしなちく早くもゴロゴロと湿り始めたのに浮きつ沈みつしている輪切りのネギたちそして何よりもこれらの具の主役でありながら Coming up, our film and food review of the 1985 film Tempopo. Welcome to the Film and Food Podcast, and thank you for joining us for episode 21. Wow, it's been a while since we've had a regular episode come out. Of course, over the last month or two, we've had our March Tawny Frogmouth bonus episode come out and our April Tawny Frogmouth bonus episode come out. And so please go check those out if you haven't already. That's what we're going to be doing every month is a short 20 minute bonus podcast episode for those columns that we have each month where we talk about two movies and a TV show plus a recipe. So go check those out if you haven't already. This has been an episode that I've been really, really excited to make. We've got a fantastic special guest that I'm going to introduce later that I had an amazing discussion with about this fantastic movie. But before we do that, I want to give a quick welcome to the Film and Food Podcast. We celebrate all things culinary and cinematic in film, so if you're a foodie or a cinephile or both, like me, this is definitely the podcast for you. We produce all sorts of episodes, including film and food reviews, where we review a foodie film or TV show, fantasy film and food drafts, where we play a draft style game, creating our ultimate food experiences from directors' filmographies or movie universes, quick bites episodes, where we catch up on everything that I've been watching lately, triple threat episodes, where we talk about our favorite food scenes, as well as YouTube channel, where I do awards content, including reaction videos and Oscar related videos. And of course, the Tony Frogmouth film and food columns with our bonus episodes each month. So make sure you go and check us out. Subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting platform. Follow us on social media. And thanks so much for all the support for this podcast. Okay, so this month's episode is a film and food review. And let me just quickly explain what that is for those who haven't heard yet. We discuss a film or TV show based on its culinary and cinematic qualities. And we do this in three different sections. First, we look at the menu. Giving a brief introduction and sharing our initial thoughts about the film. Secondly, it's time to dine, where we dive into our spoiler filled review of the film, giving our highlights, our favorite food moments, our favorite film moments, and anything we want to talk about along the way. This is where we dive deep into the film that we are reviewing. Finally, it's time to give our compliments to the chef, and this is where we give our final discussions. And ratings. But wait, there's more. We also give out at least one film inspired recipe for every single film and food review, and we have that in the show notes for you to try out at home yourself. And I also have a special guest every single time I do a film and food review. And of course, this episode we have a fantastic guest. He's a Rotten Tomatoes approved critic, a writer for the publications Jump Cut Online, Fangoria, Slash Film, Awards Watch, and much more. He does reviews, interviews, And coverage on all sorts of things with an emphasis on Asian American or Vietnamese cultures. 
we're talking about Gwyn Lay. He was such a fantastic guest to have on the podcast with such knowledge, and we had a really great chat about the film Tempopo. So I'm going to pass it over to our initial conversation where I get to know a little bit more about Gwyn, and we talk about our favorite movies, our favorite food, to start off our conversation. Well, I'm very excited to have on the show a writer for Jump Cut Online, Fangoria, Slash Film, Awards Watch, and much more, Gwen Lay. Yep, that is me. Well, thank you for thank you for having me on the show, uh, Christopher. So, you know, really happy to be here. Thanks so much. Yeah, I, um, you know, what I do sometimes is just put out what I'm planning on doing and somehow you know put out into the ether of twitter and online world if anybody wants to guess uh guest on my show and i don't have that many followers so sometimes i think it will never happen but uh you very kindly jumped on board and said that you were willing to guest and so yeah thank you because it means a lot to myself who has a pretty small show um that someone yeah who writes for so many places and you know i know you're a rotten tomatoes approved critic as well like yeah, it's just great to have a conversation. And I think we've picked a pretty amazing film to talk about today. Yeah, I mean, first of all, like, thank you for thank you for your kind words, really. And um, I mean, over, well, I do really have to say that in a way, I, I kind of have to thank, quote unquote, the pandemic for, you know, uh, forcing me to focus on a different kind of, a hobby or a pastime just to keep myself busy you know and just so happens it is food related just so happens that it's cooking so um you know i heard a couple of episodes of your podcast before because uh i think we do have certain mutuals that have appeared on your show as well and you know i just thought that you know when you reached out to me it was like oh that's cool Here's where I can talk about movies and might as well just, you know, promote my amateurish cooking and my (laughs) love of food or whatever. So this is kind of like a best of both worlds kind of mix. So, you know, it is it is an absolute honor to be here, actually. So, you know, thank you. (laughs) That's great. No, I saw your um, your Twitter thread of all of the food you've cooked. And I definitely don't feel like you're an amateur. Um, I was very (laughs) impressed with some of the food on there. But it's funny because, um, sorry. Uh, well, you've only seen the photos. I <laughs> I made it really. I made it a point to never kind of mention like how they would taste. That would be up to your imagination. But you know, well, of course they're of course they're good to me. But I don't know about the I don't know about the crowd. I think I got to be on Master Chef Australia or something like that just to get an <laughs> approval. But we we shall see. We shall see. I may be chopped out of round one. You never know. <laughs> yeah, it sounds good. I mean, going on one of those shows, would I think, would just be too intense for me, I think. They're always <laughs> saying, like, you're cooking for your life, you know. Um, I right. don't like time. I don't like time pressure when cooking. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Um, Gwen, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? All right. Well, um I am a uh, writer of Vietnamese descent who is now currently based in the hometown of uh, people like uh, Beyonce, uh, Megan Thee Stallion, Lizzo, and, you know, it's also Drake's favorite hometown. 
yeah wow it's it's houston texas baby so, so you know that's where <laughs> i'm at <laughs> so good um yeah and what's you know we mentioned some of the publications you write for how did you sort of find your passion for film and start writing Oh my goodness. Um, where to begin? Um, I guess I do have my parents to uh, thank for that because, um, well, they do they do watch a lot of uh, films as well. But then you know they would never make it kind of like an overt point to mention to me. However, um, I used to be kind of like a a really naughty child in my in my childhood <laughs> so uh, i would kind of like open all sorts of drawers around the house and i come across a an entire vhs drawer of films and nice. there was this one film that well not one film i i i i didn't know that you know they were films back then but a title that really caught my attention and you know it says on the vhs tape goldeneye and i was just like mm. huh, i wonder what that meant so you know there i am you know just shoving the tape into the player and i don't know i fe i felt transported somewhere yeah. Oh, yeah. and i saw cool people doing cool stuff driving cool cars and saying cool things in english that back then i had no idea what they were saying but it sounded so cool so yeah basically that's uh how i got into movies so you know thank you james bond uh, pierce brosnan goldeneye and you know and the like thank you james bond that has continued on hasn't it um absolutely i can't, can't believe we're gonna get an, a new one it's crazy um yeah so what sort of uh, what you know, name? I don't know if you want to give some examples of the things you like writing about, or you know, if people were to sort of look you up, what sort of things would they see you writing about? Well, I do the, I do the, you know, the, the usual variety uh, reviews, uh, interviews, and uh, but now I think I, I kind of like to dabble in, uh, you know, how do you call it? Um, in-depth uh, essays, long-form writing. Yeah, that, that's the word yeah. I'm looking for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, and uh, they really they really allow me to you know really be out of my comfort zone because usually I'm really shy of talking about my uh, culture per se, yeah. uh, specifically yeah. uh, specifically Vietnamese culture because there is such a big difference between you know. Uh, the um, the the ways and the, the ways and the winds of uh, homeland Vietnamese comparing to uh, diasporic uh, Vietnamese like uh, Vietnamese American where I'm at it's totally it's totally different there are so many nuances that you have to get there are so many concepts that seem the same but then are actually kind of like what they use to distinguish each other so. I feel like I'm I'm learning every day, and those long form essays will be. Uh, to me, it seems like they're they're kind of like a great way to check how much I know about those differences, how much I know about uh, you know between uh, this and that, and they they just really allow me to express myself and dabble in between those differences, you know, just to see like, oh, okay, so this is what to certain people, what makes Vietnam, 
Vietnam, Vietnam, you know. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, it sounds excellent. And um, obviously, uh, yeah, and obviously, I'm also a booster of uh, any um, uh, Asian centric representation in uh, films as well. And doesn't matter. I mean, if it's in front of the camera, behind, you know, I'm, I, I, I'm there for, I'm there for them. So, oh, yeah, yeah. awesome, yeah, yeah. Um, that's fantastic. Yeah, I, I especially love um, reading long form writing. You, you know, of course, like mm-hmm. reading film reviews is is great, and um, you know, interviews are all, like fantastic. Um, I'm a bit of an award season junkie, so I, I kind of can't get enough <laughs> of um of of interviews about you know ev- of the all the directors and cinematographers and everything, but. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's something about long form writing where you just see, you just really appreciate the amount of time and research and effort that someone's put into a task. It's so it almost feels like it's removed from, I guess, the hustle and bustle of having to try and keep up with every single film that's coming out, but instead is like a very passionate sort of in depth look at an aspect of film or an aspect of representation in film or culture or um, yeah, so. It sounds yeah, it sounds excellent. Um, right. So we've been talking about movies. What are some of your favorites? What are some of the ones that you just, you know, make you fall in love with cinema? Holy moly! I'm I'm. <laughs> this question is the kind of thing that you know that always excites and terrifies me because <laughs> now I really have to play the hard mode of kill your darlings you know so yeah <laughs> let yeah, me yeah, see. yeah. Uh, i mean if i have to pick i would guess i would go for uh spirited away um oh gosh see it's happening i mean spirited, spirited away. away is amazing <laughs> so that is great right and great food uh animation in that too every and, uh, is amazing yes uh jurassic park uh yes the ring nice both the original and the remake but let's just count them all as kind of like one entity please so i can cheat and insert more titles definitely (laughs) we've got you know put as many titles in as you want um let me see what else what else what else oh uh memories of murder uh Mm. we need to talk about kevin and the others Wow, it's very like diverse picks, but they're all fantastic. And I haven't seen all of them, um, unfortunately. Like, I've been wanting to watch Memories of Murder because, uh, for me, Parasite was the in- my introduction to Bong Joon Ho. Um, oh, nice! And, and yeah, it was my favorite movie of that year. Like, one of the, my favorite movies ever, probably. Um, and so, yeah, I'd lo- I'd like I'd love to do a bit of a deep dive and go a bit further back into his uh, filmography because a lot of people are going, yeah, Parasite's great, but he's also got like all these other films you should check out. Definitely, you are in for a treat, my friend, because Parasite, as lauded as it is, it is not Bong Joon Ho's best film for me. So you know. Yeah, wow, that's like exciting. I, I, I would just have to say you're in for a treat. And yeah, um, maybe kind of like a bit of a shameless self-promotion a little bit. But for the second issue of the uh, online magazine for Jump Cut Online, I did write a little bit about 
you know how Bong Joon Ho got his start, and uh, it was I think it was um, during the anniversary of uh, Memories of Murder or something like that, or maybe it was just a celebration of the films being released on a uh, Criterion or yeah, nice. a re-release or something like that. I can't remember what's the occasion, but you know, uh, yeah, it was it was it was an opportunity for me to go deeper into. Memories of Murder, and it was exhilarating. Well, yeah, I'd yeah, definitely love to check that out. That sounds great. Um, and before one last question, if you allow me, because it is yes, food podcast. What is what are some of your favorite uh, foods? I really do have to play this kill your darlings game twice. <laughs> I? Okay, yeah, sorry. so <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, omurice looks good tastes good not yes. easy to make but doesn't matter it's just aesthetically pleasant um and because i am of vietnamese descent it would be remiss of me to not mention pho yes <laughs> and because i so practically good. grew yeah and because i practically grew up on the uh pho broth so you know gotta yeah. you know remember the hand that feeds you kind of deal uh Gom tam, broken rice, that I grew up on that too. Uh, jambalaya, as a kind of like a tribute to the uh, Creole and Louisiana and uh, Texas food cuisine where I'm at. And uh, if desserts count, I would maybe go for tofu hoa. Uh, that's a tofu pudding with sugar syrup. Can Ooh. never go wrong, whether really summer, spring, winter, or at midnight, even. Yeah. Yeah. Dessert always counts. Always. Yeah. So. Yep. <laughs> um, oh, they sound fantastic, all of them. Um, great. Well, yeah. I think it's just really nice to chat, get to know you. But let's let's move into the film. Hey, so. Um, this is one that has been... I've got a few films on my radar, and it is one that I've especially wanted to watch and talk about. It's uh, the 1985 film Tampopo. So, before we dive into the rest of the episode, we first need to look at the menu. So let's look at the film Tampopo. This is a 1985 film directed by Uzo Utami, and the plot is as follows. A truck driver stops at a small family-run noodle shop and decides to help its fledgling business. The story is intertwined with various vignettes about the relationship of love and food. The film is also written by Uzo Utami and stars Ken Watanabe, Tsutomu Yamazaki, Noboku Miyamoto, Koji Yakusho, Rikia Yasuaka, Kinzo Sakura, and Yoshikato. So, there is so much to discuss about this movie, but I have to let you know before we dive back into my conversation with Gwyn Lei that there is spoilers ahead. This is where we dive deep into spoilers, all kinds of spoilers, so please be warned that from here, the movie is going to be spoiled. So please go and watch Tempopo where you can find it. I'm going to leave some links in the show notes for people in Australia to be able to find this movie because it is quite hard to do so. Also, I'll leave a link if you want to buy the Criterion version. Talk about the Criterion collection a lot here um, if you want to own that movie yourself. But there are some great ways that you can watch that even for free on YouTube. I highly encourage you to do so. So go check out Tempopo unless you want to be spoiled because we're about to head into our next section of the review. It's time to dine. 
Okay, welcome to the review. I'm going to pass it over back to our conversation, our spoiler-filled review of the film Tempopo. So here's my conversation with Gwen Lee. Yeah, let's start it off. Did you have any highlights from the film? What's your thoughts on the film highlights? Um, we can just flow from there. Right. Well, <laughs> I mean, I'm always kind of like a sucker for stories that are about, you know, people who are kind of like at battle bottom and then just, you know, trying to work their way up. And obviously, if those stories have, uh, you know, some fun comedic touches along the way, then they are totally my kind of snack to consume. And that is definitely the case for Tampopo. It's, um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, just to just to watch this, uh, just to watch this uh, woman, her name is Tampopo, trying to improve her ramen shop with the help of basically the last kind of people <laughs> you would think would be yeah. able to help her two truck drivers yeah <laughs> one of them is a very very young ken watanabe almost yes. unrecognizable i could not believe that <laughs> just trying to make the best ramen shop in town that is definitely intriguing just just from you know just just by reading it already you are intrigued but then watching it it is it is also a treat oh definitely i sort of knew what i was expecting i knew like i've heard it been described as a ramen western which i thought was <laughs> quite um like just i don't know summarizes the film's sense of humor because you know obviously there's spaghetti westerns and then this is sort of a ramen western and um <laughs> yeah and I would I, even yeah. say it's almost like uh, you know a ramen nippon just to play off the again yeah, yeah. western. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and I, I just, I sort of, yeah, I can see how I don't know. I could see why this wouldn't work for some people, but for me, it just completely mm-hmm. worked, and I sort of just fell in love with the the completely unique way that this film sort of was structured, I guess. Um, obviously yeah. you've got the main the main premise which is incredibly intriguing and like you said is uh hilarious in its uh in just the, you know two dr- truck drivers you would not expect them to help with this restaurant but then it has these um vignettes that you follow so like the beginning i really love the opening scene which is this like fourth wall breaking scene with a member of the right. and his mistress and they they've got this extravagant feast laid out before them in the cinema uh, ex- right. insane amount of food um, and it's pretty hilarious because they've got all this food they're popping you know, champagne and wine and, and then he mm-hmm. has the audacity to yell at that man for uh, eating pop- oh, <laughs> popcorn or chips or something chips. Um, in the row behind <laughs> uh, and, and you know and obviously what the words he say kind of bookends um, you know spoiler alert uh, bookends mm-hmm. the end of the film for that character as well but i and then you know you'd just be following tempopo and the gang and then suddenly you just see characters walk by and then you just the camera just follows them and you're like what is going yes. on like who are these yes. people have i missed something um and you just you know for the, i think the first 
group you follow is those businessmen uh, into that restaurant and you get this the back-to-back vignettes of all of these people ordering uh, and they're all sort of choosing the same and then this one uh, sort of junior associate <laughs> seems like his boss is kicking his leg because he's choosing to he's a, he seems to be a bit of a um uh, very have very, very refined culinary taste, and so he's ordering right um, this you know brilliant French cuisine and asking for the sommelier and um, and then yeah and then you move into the the twirling the twirling pasta demonstration <laughs> teaching these young oh. women that was so funny it was maybe the funniest <laughs> I laughed in the whole movie because spaghetti like, bonole etiquette <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Uh, it like this movie is just extremely funny because the, obviously they're trying to say that in the West, like it's completely inappropriate and not culturally adequate to slurp your spaghetti. And yes. then there's this uh, Western man at the bottom of the restaurant, absolutely slurping. And you just see the looks on all of these women's faces going, are we going to listen to this lady or are we going to slurp? And they all slurp <laughs> their... Um, they all slurp their noodles and it's like, it's so, yeah, anyway. So I, I think that was my <laughs> highlight was the, the structure and the vignettes because I just felt like it felt like, you know, a, a, sort of a kaleidoscope film in that like you mm-hmm. obviously had enough of a plot to follow through uh, the whole film, but just having these vignettes, I felt like added this great depth to the film that I really enjoyed. Absolutely, and all the all the scenes you mentioned are also my, you know, one of the many. I mean, an embarrassing, lengthy pack list of highlights for me to choose from as well, because um, the thing about this is that um, my dad he uh, he lived in Japan for about seventeen years already, so. Oh, wow. uh, yeah. So before he, uh, so before he, you know, returned to Vietnam and you know became uh, and still is kind of like a permanent fixture there. So he he did introduce me to Tampopo a while back, but then you know I was at that age where you know I couldn't, I was re- I was really I wasn't really you know focusing or really know how to appreciate the arts yet. So they all of these just kind of like gloss over me. Yeah. However, now you know, uh, having matured a little, having matured, and you know, returning to this, it's all it's all different. It's suddenly you, you, you know, your eyes and your senses are just kind of like open up. And the thing about this is that uh, what you're uh, the especially for the introduction and the uh, basically the overall structure of Tampopo is uh, itself. I thought that yes, it's also very interesting. I mean, who could have guessed that this is kind of like a stealth omnibus film? You know, where mm-hmm. not only you have. Not only you have the main story about the ramen shop as well, but then you also have a story about, you know, kind of like each component of the shop or the food itself, however you want to regard it. But to me, it seems like if this whole film is kind of like a bowl of ramen, then you have a story about the noodles. You have the story about the meats. You have a story about the pickles. You have the story about um, all other sorts that, you know, when combined together, present to you a complete bowl 
of life, a complete experience of tampopo. And, or, you know, you could even, I think that you could even say that, you know, whenever the camera just drifts away from the plot and then that's exactly those moments where your mind's uh, becoming like, forming these questions like, wait, where's the film going? Why, wait, why are you panning away? And, yeah. <laughs> you know, those are just like, so instead of a black screen with the word intermission on it, you actually get to see the life outside of the main plot as well. It's kind of like, um, uh, I think, Kabuki theater, where they, uh, you know, where they use intermissions in order just to focus on literally anything or anybody else besides the main mm. plot. But then it is also part of the integral to the experience as well. And speaking of experience, um, the introduction, the really funny introduction that you said, um, I just thought that maybe it was, um, I don't know if it's true at the time of uh, release of the film, which is 1985. But now, having been exposed to so many Japanese-centric uh, films or films set in Japan that mm. always tend to focus on, you know, the underground or Yakuza businesses, that opening it, to me is subversive even because mm. it's, well, again, a very young, unrecognizable Kochi Yakusho <laughs> in a white suit, very Yakuza life. But and that cr- this the credit is, in the film is gangster in the white suit. It's amazing. Exactly. Um. <laughs> but is this a film about the Yakuza? No, it is not. It's just a film about food. But then we mm. have a Yakuza introducing that to us. So I thought, huh, that's interesting. And <laughs> I I don't know if it's intentional of uh, our director as well, but him in seeing him in a white suit, it's a lot like uh, seeing uh, Toshiro Mifune in the uh, Kurosa- Akira Kurosawa's film, A Drunken Angel. Mm. So... Yeah, I just, basically, I just thought that it was something refreshing. And oh, d- this yeah, is a refreshing sure. experience for once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um, uh, we've been watching uh, our sort of last, you know, there's so many lockdowns now, but our last lockdown watch was the uh, Netflix series Midnight Diner. Um, I don't oh. know if you've ever heard of it, but it's incredible. Uh, it's these... It's it's almost it. This film really reminded me of it a lot because, basically, the series is a series of like, you know, can you know, there's this there's this little diner. It's set in Japan. Then this guy opens it from midnight till seven a.m. and he cooks whatever you want as long as he has the ingredients for it. So, um, you know, there's these characters that keep re- recurring throughout the series, but every episode is this different vignette about a different character like there's a yakuza boss member um there's a a whole host of other characters some are like little horror episodes some are romantic some are like a thriller like it's um and all every episode revolves around a certain dish anyway it's um i definitely recommend a watch but yeah even the portrayal of the yakuza in that show is i still think it's quite authentic but uh you know and i and I say that without too much experience, to be honest. But um, 
yeah, I just thought that in in the Yakuza portrayal in this film, just you know, it wasn't the main thing about him. It was he he was just a person, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Um, obviously, it sort of results. It comes back right at the end, but uh, it's just sort of these two lovers. Um, right. And yeah, yeah, I I, I agree. Um, I also really loved, you know, I've got, I, as you said, I think literally I was like scene after scene. I was like, wow, that was a great scene. I love that. And it just kept mm-hmm. happening. <laughs> I don't know if I, <laughs> like, you see, you know what I mean? So we could talk about the whole movie. But I, I just kept on being blown away by the the cinematography in this film. Mm-hmm. There's just some like beautiful. I like some beautiful landscape shots. Like when um, when Goro has the the rematch fight with the the drunk man at the beginning. Oh of the yes, movie, and it's shot under that bridge, like. That shot just sort of blew me away. It was so beautiful. Right. And they're all in silhouette um, and they're doing this fight. And there's another, like, there's, I don't know, just the, like there's another shot where, like, a bus is sort of driving by and there's all these stringed red lights along the road. And I just found uh, it just portrayed Japan really beautifully. And um, also just the way they film the food is, is so loving. <laughs> Absolutely. And, uh, I like, like my, you know, we've watched a lot of foodie films here and I think you can tell the difference between when, uh, food has to be in the scene for a director mm-hmm. or when food is the scene for a director, if that makes correct, sense. Correct. Yes. You, sometimes yes. I'm going, wait, I didn't see that. What was that? What was in that dish? And then you definitely know everything that's going on with the food in this movie, which I really like. Right. <laughs> and um now that now that you're talking about it, I just I just want to ask you, do you think that by any chance Wes Anderson is a fan of Tampopo, considering how many of his films are, Ooh. you know, have really like lovingly detailed and absolutely well only well tangent absolutely is maybe a little too harsh but maybe tangentially relevant to the story at hand but then basically the whole sequence is through and through just as just a preparation of uh, uh a certain kind of dish yeah oh now that you mention it yes i think so <laughs> i think of the um i think of the, like the sushi scene in isle of dogs absolutely like, that's a i love that scene um it's it's literally two minutes of like just exquisite animation and and making the the sushi poison in the film um <laughs> that you know i think i think in the grand budapest hotel they make uh macarons is that right mm-hmm. um with Sasha ronan's character um and yeah i mean i i those similarities are, are quite remarkable, I think. Um, because I mean, I do hope I do hope that I'll get the opportunity to you know maybe ask him soon. Because after all, like I know he's I know he's internationally recognized, but he's he's a Houstonian through and through. And you know, mm. I have to ask, I have to ask down the line. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I mean, 
that would be amazing. I'd love to interview him. Um, I tell you what, that man releases films very fast. I cannot believe that he might have another one out this year. Um, it's amazing. Likewise. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm just... Is there any other sort of things that you want to mention about the, the film? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean... <laughs> I mean we, I mean, here, here's what here's what I think, and this is also I think something that uh, my dad also told me. Obviously, after I've uh, you know grew up a little bit, and uh, I I can't really remember how, but then again, the tampopo jump back into the conversation. But when when you're talking about tampopo, obviously you have to talk about the food. But then mm. at the same time, because you are talking about food, you have to talk about how, <laughs> who, I don't know. This, all, this got me all hot under the collar just to mention this on your podcast. So I hope yeah. the right audiences are listening. <laughs> um, so, okay. We also have to talk about how Chuzo uh, Itami, he uses food. As kind of like a stand-in or you know euphemisms for sex for fornication, yeah. so yeah. we really we have to talk about that when we talk about tampopo anyway. So yes, <laughs> let's dive into it. What are yeah, your thoughts I, on it? <laughs> I was when I was wondering when that was going to come up. Uh, yeah, I it it's sort of it's very funny because the that vignette of you know because it basically only only happens with that character i don't know you can correct me if i've missed something but the um you know obviously that there's that first scene where you know every sort of conceive not every sort of conceivable food but uh you know food is being used heavily in um i guess if you want to be polite full play um (laughs) and and yeah it's and then later on, the I you know I'd heard something about the egg kiss, um, and even sort of knowing that it was coming, it was still a bit of a shock. Because um, <laughs> and it's like, it's not like it's like a ten second scene. Like they definitely draw it out. Um, and so I guess it's weird. Uh, I don't know how to describe it really. I think I I understood why they were doing like why they were presenting that uh aspect of food and sexuality i think the one that made me most uncomfortable with the was the oyster scene um i don't know what your thoughts were but um obviously that there's a a a, what seems to be like a child or you know Mm -hmm. a teenager coming with oysters out of the ocean and our Yakuza boss, like they have a bit of a moment where he cuts his lip on the oyster shell, and yeah, that that made you know that made me the most uncomfortable. But yeah, I um, yeah, I know there's other films that use food in that way as well. Um, the we watch <laughs> uh, we watched my last movie I reviewed on this show was um this sort of schlocky who is killing the great chefs of Europe um, 
Okay. It's it's, uh, it's pretty it's pretty it's worth watching if you can find it. It's very hard film to find, but it's sort of this um, murder mystery comedy about these great chefs in Europe getting killed in the nature of their of their signature dish. It's a very interesting premise, but they sort of like food is sort of used in that way as well. Um, and yeah, I I thought like I thought it was quite sort of I don't know I find I'm finding it hard to come up with words because <laughs> yeah I don't know why don't you go and I'll I'll gather my thoughts <laughs> uh, I mean I guess that would be that would explain exactly why those scenes work really the fact that you the fact that you or you know uh, viewers uh, certain viewers in general would struggle to come up with words and perhaps that is even by design that is the intended effect after all and because well i guess like it or not food sometimes are you know uh stand-ins for the very blunt or the very uh, the absolute unvarnished truth uh correct term to describe Um, anything that is related to sex. So, you know, here's just a visual showcase of that and mm. just try to show it in a really cinematic way possible because uh, from from uh, what I've <laughs> from from what uh, from my perspective, the um, uh, that egg kiss scene that you said to me, uh, well, I call it the yolk switching fornication. It makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> the um, because prior to uh, rewatching uh, Tampopo, I uh, I watch a uh, a small Vietnamese film, a small made in Vietnam film to to be more precise. It's called The Third Wife, um, yeah. and we have a scene in there where you know after our main character who's only in the film uh, she's only 13 and she's she is um you know she is uh set destined even to live in, to live in her husband's house a very uh much more grown husband's house and on the first night where he has to take her virginity there is a scene where um well it's not it's not like uh full blown uh lust and caution kind of like a depiction of sexuality but the way that the film depicts her her virginity being taken away is just that um well according to the director Ash Mayfair uh, whom I interviewed she said Those elements are based on stories that uh, she heard from people in uh, uh, her, her, you know, her elders and uh, their friends as well. But so on that first night, in that very important moment where the new wife has to, you know, give up her uh, innocence, has to give up her uh, virginity away to the husband. So the husband cracked an egg and just got the yolk to be placed on her navel and then he then proceed to slurp up the yolk right where he placed it so right. 
that scene and uh, over here in the yoke switching fornication in Tampopo, it's just like, oh, an interesting parallel. Very I interesting think. parallel. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, you're right in that, like, there's, you know, the the, the way those films, the, those scenes are filmed and shot is, yeah, I think it is obviously speaking to the, the kind of primal, sensual, passionate sort of nature of food. Um, right. And, you know, at one level and also a, a very, very, very clear reference, um, you know, combining that with sexuality, stating just how linked those things are, I guess, you know, um, I was like primal human needs. And yeah, I, I found it. Yeah. I, it's funny. Um, I, I, I found myself, you know, I found those scenes quite shocking at first, but the more that I think about it, um, the more I realize like thematically is that, that vignette, it's speaking to another aspect of food where, you know, the passion yeah. Tim Popo has to, and the drive and the desire to look after her son to, uh, after her husband's death to, make sure that her restaurant and her ramen is up to scratch. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, the, you know, even the passion of the guy trying to protect his, uh, food from being manhandled or handled by, uh, that older lady in his supermarket. Like, I guess the, all these vignettes are speaking to just, uh, different aspects of food and why we love it and the passion and drive and, desire behind all of it and yeah i i really appreciate those scenes in the context of the whole movie and i think they're like they've they're stunningly shot like they're stunningly right. shot the editing is beautiful um yeah so yeah and because you know this uh uh tampopo i think through and through well obviously it can be <clears throat> it can be a comedy you can you can what I meant was like you can say it's a comedy, you can say it's a slice of life, or so on and so forth. But to me, it's just it's just a great tribute to you know the the communal power of food. The fact that food can really bring people that can absolutely bring people together, people whom you would never think mm. would, would be able to collide in you know in this. A space of life if you can call it that but you know but somehow food is the catalyst food is the emulsifier food can get you to meet people like that and for the uh, oyster scene as well for example it's um, because to me a man as polished if you can if that's the right word or, you know, apologies for the lack of a better word. A man as polished as Koji Yakusho's gangster would never have find a need to meet such a lowly person in life like a girl diving for oyster. But mm. here we go. You get, because of, uh, because of a fresh oyster, which we... Well, you know, which is really good <laughs> down here in yeah. Texas. I can I can attest to that. So, you know, because of his hunger, because of his appetite, basically, the two the you know the two leagues whom would never 
have any reason needing to meet or set their eyes on each other are actually finding some sort of uh, you know transcendental connection, and mm. it's all through food, and that's just uh, and that's just a little vignette. But obviously, the bigger thing here is that you know in trying to set up the shop, <laughs> in trying to set up the best ramen shop in town, to be more precise. We get all of these characters who all jump in to try mm. and help Tampopo, and they're all of different ages. They're all of different occupations. They're all of you know. Uh, I mean, they all share the same passion and objective, but then they all have different inputs in order mm. to really improve the place. And obviously, as with anything, or or in this case specifically, building a restaurant or building, uh, you know, building something that's going to uh, ignite people's palate, you can't do it on your own. You you can never do it alone. So here we are. Mm. No, I really love how you said that because I think yeah, I think you've nailed it, and I think. I just think of though, you know, all of those characters. Like, one of the scenes that strangely really moved me a lot was when they go and find the old master who's hanging out now. Like, there seem to be a homeless group of chefs. Um, yes. And it's such an interesting scene. Like, you know, they're talking about all of these foods that they've found and like seem to scavenge, scavenge, and um, and then. They, you know, this is probably my favorite food scene in the movie. I think is when the the homeless man makes um, omelet rice, omelet rice for uh, Tempopo's son, and they sneak into mm-hmm. the into the restaurant and just <laughs> watching him, yeah, just watching him cook it, and like his uh, his the artistry and the skill in how he creates the dish, like the way he splits the egg on top of the rice with his chopsticks and. Um, and, and just like even the, the little kind of comedy bit with the guard, how that shot of the guard entering and them leaving at the same time. I love that shot. And, (laughs) um, and the, yeah, I, I think that says something again. I think this notice with this movie is how he actually uses food to break down all sort of societal, uh, things that divide us. Like, you know, obviously, uh, you know, the homeless is a big problem everywhere. Um, yeah, and absolutely. There's so much stigma and they're treated <clears throat> quite often extremely poorly. Um, and he just brings a, a real, I don't know, dignity and like uh, he re- just made them seem like these real people. Like, and I just found that beautiful. And the way they sing, the way they sing that song to the master at the end, I love mm-hmm. that. That was so powerful. Yeah. Like I, I was just like, this movie was so full of surprises. Like that was one where <laughs> I was just like, wow. Like that was an that was amazing. I felt like so moved. Like their voices were beautiful. The it was such a touching tribute. And again, I think it it does echo that point of just how all of these different groups of people united by food. And I think it's sort of this deeper thesis. Yes, the movie is about food, but it's definitely about like how we all are humans with inane human dignity and worth and with 
passions and goals and desires and skills and that if we actually unite together with a lot more to to do than like to give to the world rather than uh to separate and be divided and i think that's clear in how tampopo shop goes from uh where it is at the beginning of the movie to by the end where she has this beautifully fitted store her ramen is bringing in customers and you know like you said at the very beginning two truck drivers a chef <laughs> and uh a, a drunk who works in kind of outfitting and an old master who was living in this little homeless group like yeah it's amazing yeah i just the more <laughs> i think about this movie like i loved it when i watched it i'm just like this it's just yeah shut up to be one of my favorite films i just the more i think about it the more i love it yeah and um and you know now that you mention it it's um it's actually a very humane film because it shows a very mm. It shows us, uh, you know, some very human things and the very particular things that it shows is that, you know, w- whether your wallet is thick or whether you, you don't even have a wallet, you, you know, hunger is universal, as is the the fact that, you know, because we can all be hungry, we can all know what good food tastes like. So... Mm. <laughs> And um, the, yeah, and uh, the fact that you know the homeless group, as you mentioned in the film, then is in there. You know, it the the film doesn't the film doesn't denigrate them. You know, no. Uh, I mean, appearance wise, they are completely, completely different. I mean, if you know, to be blunt, like completely disheveled. Yeah. However, they are actually the one with the most skills in the film. That even you know. Our our main character, um, I forgot his I forgot his name at the moment. Well, is it Goro? Yeah, yeah, yes. Uh, yeah, he would he would even say that you know, okay, because you can't get this broth right. Let's go and meet professionals who might do. And no, it's not it's not a French chef at a five star hotel. But then. <laughs> it's a you know it's a group of people who who are out on the streets however they have their ears closest to the streets so that's why they know the stuff so mm. that is that is something that is something that you know worth commending as well because you know after all where they are right now is you know it's not it's not because they made bad choices it's just because of circumstances they do have something to offer as well everybody yeah. has yeah yeah exactly and yeah, it's. Um, I think that's what. Yeah, it just felt like a very warm film and very like life affirming and yeah, humane. And yeah, I think like they Tampopo was just cast so perfectly. Like she, you see Absolutely. how you see how other uh, you know when um, Goro goes in and kind of shreds other restaurants for how bad their ramen is that they react so poorly. And she has the humility to, and like the desire to succeed, that she's able to hear criticism and doesn't really see it as a. There's that kind of hard, really hard scene when she's been working so hard and they're all just sort of silent, um, mm-hmm. eating the ramen. And she, you know, you just watch on her face how she's just like, oh no, like they hate it. Um, but it just makes the scene 
at the end of the film when she does finally get it right is like so triumphant isn't it because you've watched her like it's quite hilarious how like he get goro gets her to do the drills like she's moving the pot from side to side of full of water um, <laughs> yes. she, she she's like, running wait, she's jogging is this boot camp <laughs> <laughs> i wonder i wonder if that was sort of making fun of um you know i don't know so a movie like rocky or something um with their training montages um <laughs> but because rocky had come out before then hadn't it if i'm getting my years right um but yeah so and in and, and watching her like time how quickly she can make all the ramen and all of her adventures uh trying to steal people's recipes like how she sneak gets snuck into that cupboard um and how she uh i loved how she went up to the other person who made her noodles and just extracts the secrets from him <laughs> by sort of like going oh the noodles taste a bit different today like did you roll them out for as long as you <laughs> needed right. to? It was amazing. Right. <laughs> um, you, you can, and she, you know, how it's cool to watch how like quick she, you know, even when they go to that restaurant and she remembers all of their orders and in which, you know, sequence they should all receive their food. And, you know, I, I, it feels like it, you know, not that, you know, some, you know, some movies like, you know, you, you get this 10 minute montage and they've gone from, not being able to throw a punch to being a, a you know, a championship belt winning boxer. Um, I felt like the progression of Tempopo's journey was very well earned and, and very satisfying by the end of her journey. Um, yeah. So I, I really liked that. Right. <laughs> and now that you, and now that you mentioned it, I, I love those sequences as well. And yeah, well, maybe, I guess uh, you can say that it's a, you know, it's a parodying of uh, training montages in, again, like racks to riches kind of films that, you know, Hollywood would always find dependable to find an audience. But at the same time, I just thought that it's just a semi-hilarious way just to show the, uh, you know, the, uh, <clears throat> the, the, um, a, a culture, basically the, uh, or how do you say it? Uh, like a, a tenant. Even sorry, Christopher mm. Nolan, but then kind of like a Japan, <laughs> a really, a really Japanese uh, tenet of uh, you know continuously improving yourself, and that mm. people are really, and that people there are really serious about doing it. You know, it's um, what's the word for it? Uh, my dad told me this a while back. Uh, Kaizen. Yes, there we okay. go. Nice. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's uh, so yeah, it's it's funny, but at the same time, like. Okay, I get this. I, I get what you're coming from. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Because, um, well, because uh, um, I think that a detail that people are becoming, uh, uh, people are finding more, more and more visible as they keep revisiting uh, Studio Ghibli's films, especially films from uh, Hayao Miyazaki, is that yeah. um, it's animation and sometimes are our protagonists are very young but then you know they are really they have a really work they have a really strong work ethic they are really mm. work driven mm. they don't they don't mind they don't mind uh, difficult labor even mm. oh yeah so, I, I mean you mentioned spirited away definitely in that film 
Um, yeah, we even have a song on the soundtrack of Spirited Away that's called "It's Hard Work," and I was like, yeah. okay, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Sorry, I can't stop thinking of like a Christopher Nolan Tenet style uh, food film now, like a <laughs> a um, a tempopo, but like the. You know, part one, half of the film's going backwards, part of it's going forwards. <laughs> well, did maybe I, did we I should... really understand Tenet? Not really, but anyway, that's okay. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, hopefully, like, maybe after this episode, we could all come together and, uh, you know, pitch uh, Christopher Nolan just to say that, hey, um, I know that, you know, uh, you made a film about uh, Noah uh, or about Oppenheimer, which yeah, might, yeah. which sounds, which sounds very distressing. So how about your next project? Do you lighten up a little bit? Maybe Christopher yeah. Nolan's Julia Jowd, something like yeah, that. Yeah, sounds good. Um, collaborate with Wes Anderson. That would be an insane collaboration. Um, oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> the internet would explode. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, no, that would be amazing. Um, okay, before we kind of move on to thinking about final thoughts and ratings, is there any sort of... Did you have any uh, fa- other favorite moments, favorite food things that you need to mention uh, before we wrap things up? Um, yes, I do. I do have a scene to pick out, and it's the very, it's the very first scene about, um, you know, uh Ken Watanabe's uh character I think his name is Gun uh he uh tries to uh he, I think he was eating with a ramen master or something like that yes so yes yes he, yes so you know um is there a proper way to eat this sir uh kind of <laughs> something like that and the and the master he said that of course because first you need to eat with your eyes and then the way that, and then the, the way that he describes it, obviously, I uh, I'm not I'm not fluent in Japanese, so I'm only going by the uh, uh, the subtitles here. But I think they did a great job with the subtitles as well because yeah, me too. The descriptions, <laughs> the descriptions are equally laugh out loud funny, but at the same time, it's also like it also had me thinking. Are you describing food or are you describing a really beautiful woman? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um <laughs> So I I just thought that you know that was that was really that was really funny on the surface but then in uh, at death it has it has something that you can talk about as well. And then mm. you know for the very good you know mic drop moment it was just like and then you have to pick up the pork belly and then you have to tap it as well. Oh, really? Do you, why Why do you need to do that? Just to, to drain, drain it, it, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? There's nothing important, it, just to drain it. And I, was, I laugh. I laugh so it, loud. I think I, 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 I might have disrupted the neighbor's sleep or something like that. Yeah, but nice. whatever. It was just, I don't mind. I have no regrets. No regrets. No, I think it's, it's you're right. It starts off, um, it and I think it's the what Ken Watanabe's character Gordon is going through as well. You start off with like this incredible admiration for this man who seems like this ramen master who knows exactly how to eat it. And as you you know hear his descriptions and 
you're kind of going, oh, wow, like he speaks about the food so lovingly and so caringly. Like he obviously has this beautiful ritual that he has when he eats ramen. He really cares about the food. And and then as you keep going along, it's sort of this realization that, okay, this is getting slightly weird. And maybe like this guy's a little bit strange and maybe loves his ramen too much. And maybe Ken Watanabe slightly realizing that at the same time as the audience. And so that brings <laughs> in the, the humor. And so you're getting this, I don't know, this, which is basically what the film is like this sort of, juxtaposition like this holding two things equally at the same time that are completely different like this sort of humor that comes from the food and the situation the circumstances and just the lightness of the film but also like the seriousness and the passion and the just the way they talk about the food and the themes like they're both sort of married together in this scene i feel like Mm -hmm. um and it's what I like about it's. That's a pretty hard thing to do. Like, if in terms of tone, like this film, you know, obviously, like we said, it goes on vignettes. It comes back to the main plotline. It has great physical comedy. It has great dialogue for comedy. It 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 somehow is so endearing and so earnest at the same time as being insanely hilarious and willing to uh, not take itself too seriously. That's that's a pretty incredible achievement. Um, that's hard to pull off and and do it well. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. You are correct, and uh, yeah, I just thought that this is this is this is a really this is a really delightful film. It's like, well, I mean, we did talk about how life doesn't seem to stop uh, bringing kind of like. Bad garbage plates to us, and here we are, Tampopo, bringing us just a bowl of sunshine, of you know, rich broth of happiness, and all sorts of good spices. Just to, just to, you know, just for maybe about under two hours, slightly under two hours. But then it was, it was just enough. It was just fulfilling enough to lift our spirits a little bit. Just. Trying to work, uh, trying to work hard a little bit more because you never know. Because if you give up today, like uh, the, if you give up to today at any moment, like Tampopo kind of thinks that she should, then mm. you will never, then you will never be able to meet Agoro, who is just right around the corner, or something like that. Uh, Agoro or Agoro and Nagun right around yeah. the corner. So. Yeah, yeah, I exactly right like it's you know it can sometimes feel trivial or you go well obviously there's way more important things in the world than 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 movies when you know there's a, a, a war that's in, that's raging and there's uh covid that's still killing people and you know for both of our areas floods and and climate change that is uh that is coming and you go well you know, it seems silly to jump on a podcast and talk about movies, but I, I think that is, you know, without trying to seem too pretentious, like I think that is the the power of art, like the power of books and and films and music and these things that have been created from you know deep within a person's soul, and in the case of a film, uh, hundreds and thousands of people who could work on films to just bring this piece of art into the world that like you said, like inspires and it, um, you know, obviously it doesn't take the problems of the world away, but, you know, 
I, I love the quote. I think it was Roger Ebert. I could be wrong. Where it says like that, you know, films are empathy machines. Um, right. And 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 that's the brilliant thing about them is you know I'm you I don't you you can't go and live literally go around the world and live in every person's shoes to understand more about the world. But we these films are gifts in that sense because you experience cultures and people and circumstances that you've never experienced before but within that you find the that there's the deeper humanity that we all share that you know the empathy that builds within you that if everybody you know were to become more empathetic and more caring for their fellow human being well then you know we would be in a world where uh you know where we wouldn't need to go to war for example so you know i just think you know I, i'm not trying to say that people need to watch movies to end a war but i just <laughs> think that the, the that's the power of art is that uh i guess it would be a pretty colorless life like our life would be pretty gray without these these you know these films that remind us about uh the great things in life we have like food and 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 family and our friends and yeah, it's encouraging and it's heartwarming and inspiring. And I, I really, really, same thing. Like when I watched it, I felt a lot more helpful, like hopeful. I felt sort of fulfilled. Like you said, with that analogy, like I'd eaten just a delightful meal, um, a delightful bowl of ramen. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful this film exists and I don't own it on criterion yet, but I uh, (laughs) am making the purchase imminently to to get it <laughs> all right well make sure to tag criterion when you do because they I, I think they will appreciate it and besides more people need to know you know where where to see this anyway where is he this you know where does he this little gem anyway so oh definitely um all right well last chance to mention anything uh we haven't mentioned otherwise why don't we um transition into kind of giving our final thoughts and ratings yeah well just uh, i think we're we're going to move on to the final thoughts then great sounds good so um you know i know i know uh film critics and and people in general have lots of different uh views on rating a movie uh, or giving it a score so you know uh It'd be interesting to hear your thoughts on what we do here. But, you know, I don't necessarily prescribe to the fact that you can really give a number to a film, but I think it's fun. And uh, it's just a way to talk about what we liked and didn't like about a movie. So we do two ratings here. One is for the film as a whole out of 10, and one is for the Mm -hmm. food as a whole out of 10. So do you want me to start or do do you feel like you're ready to go? have an idea um i think let's have you first if that's okay okay. yeah of course um uh yeah if my glowing admiration for this film hasn't really come through i'm definitely gonna express it now yeah there's a lot of uh food and film movies that exist and a lot of them that i really love and what I loved about this film was its unique structure. I think the tone um, and and its deeper themes, and I guess the hopefulness and earnestness of the film, while also balancing the comedy um, and the the different vignettes and 
yeah, I, uh, my household, um, my wife and I, uh, we don't really spend money on uh, much, but we spend lots of money on food, and that's like the basis. <laughs> it's like the basis of our marriage is what we're gonna eat. Um, and I, yeah, it's food is something we all get to enjoy, and I think uh, this film definitely reminds us all of how much food can unite us as a as a as people um and it breaks down walls and barriers and reminds us that we're all at the end of the day we are all humans with the same worth and dignity no matter what sort of things that uh society or that we what sort of borders that we want to put up to stop uh communicating with each other um it's weirdly it sounds this is really strange but it's almost the same thesis that like a movie like arrival has um it's a really weird reach i know that like (laughs) <laughs> They're completely different films, but I just did a series on Denis Villeneuve uh, films, and that you know what I I kind of felt the same after watching the end of Arrival, I guess, about my hopefulness for humanity uh, as I did at the end of this film. So um, I love the cinematography. I think the all of the 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 cast really were excellent. Um, the the choices in the in the costuming and the the sort of production design, the way they shoot Japan, um, was all fantastic. So, and I I I'm not one of those people that doesn't like giving a perfect score because I mean there is no perfect film, but I think that doesn't shouldn't stop you from I'm a bit of an optimist, so it shouldn't stop you from giving a perfect score because if it's something you know films are a bit of a miracle, and if a film is this good, well then it's going to get a ten from me. So it's a ten out of ten uh, for f- for the film, and when we talk about the food, it's uh, yeah, this the movie like the dialogue, the vignettes, the amount of food on screen, like maybe out of every single film that I've watched on this podcast so far, it might be the most food saturated film in terms of its theme and in terms of the relation of all the characters to each other the actual plot yeah like it's the like i was saying the way they shoot the film uh and the food to really be able to see the cooking processes um like making the omurice or making the ramen and yeah i I really don't know how i could not give it a perfect score so i'm gonna give that a 10 as well which makes me a a 20 out of 20 for for Tempopo. It's a it's a massive recommendation. I know it's a very hard film to find here in Australia. Uh, I'll definitely add a link if you want to go buy the Criterion uh, fork up a bit of cash uh, for them because uh, you know I love physical media and it will, it's I promise you you're not going to be disappointed. Um, but I also know that you know you can find you know I think there was a couple of versions on YouTube with subtitles that were for free and I even found a website which it was like a a Criterion archive that was showing the film for free here in Australia. So I definitely recommend uh, you go and check it out. And yeah, um, I'll pass it over to you, Gwyn. Wow, a perfect score. And <laughs> yeah. uh, sir, I, I think I think you claim all my words, so I don't really <laughs> know what to add, really. But well, if... Um, if I believe that I can add on something to that, you know, like 
Michelle and Chef's kiss words that you've already, you know, prepped and served up. It's just that, you know, this film, I mean, even though Tampopo, when you translate it, it's called uh, Dandelion, you know. Mm. But to me, at the same time, there should be a big asterisk right afterwards just to say that just to you know let people know that you know you can also as a viewer translate tampopo as nirvana as well because that's what this film mm. is to me because not only not only is it not only is it really heartwarming but at the same time it's it's always surprising and and not just not just any kind of uh, you know general surprise but you know the very kind of surprise that um again here i am with the food analogy so sorry but here we go i have no regrets but uh, the kind of surprise where you enter an establishment and It's the first time that you try that dish that you've never tried before, but then it turns out to be, I don't know, the next, the the best thing that you've ever had ever since mayonnaise or fried egg or whatever. Mm, mm-hmm. That kind of surprise, or it is also that very particular kind of surprise where you are an expert on this particular dish. You know its ins and outs already, but then. Here you are entering a place where you tried that same dish, but it could still thrill you just like the very first time. It's mm. those very particular kind of surprises, and mm. that is that is tampopo. Although I would have to say that <laughs> this film is so good at being humorous, at being comedic that. Whenever it tries to apply a different kind of uh, a tonal brushstroke into it, or uh, you know, just something that is non-com, uh, non-comedic, let's just let's say that mm. it doesn't really have the same impact as the comedic moments. However, that is just a very 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 minor thing that you can absolutely gloss over your taste buds will not even remember it your senses will just register it from you know in one ear and out the other kind of deal it ha- it's not it's absolutely not a blemish on the experience at all because you know at the end of the day just like after you've uh, consumed anything good you feel full and that is mm. exactly what tempopo is to me So in terms of rating the overall film, I would go for a nine out of ten, and for Very the nice. food scenes, yeah, it would definitely get a ten out of ten. Straight strictly because you know that that whole how should I properly eat this ramen bowl sequence at the you know right at the start? I was just like, yeah. okay, I would. <laughs> That those are images and words to live by. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, very, very high ratings for you as well. So, um, yeah, and and just before we we wrap things up, um, 
we haven't got to we you know we do a a, a recipe film based recipe and yeah there's a lot for me to choose from and yeah i i think we're both gonna try and attempt to make something and we're gonna edit it back into the episode around about here okay chris here wanting to talk about the film-based recipe for this episode from the film tempopo and i have made the om i have made the omurice or omelet rice from the amazing scene in the middle of the film where one of the homeless chefs makes omurice for Tempopo's son and we have that amazing sequence where they're trying to where they break into the kitchen and they're trying to make and he's trying to make the meal before the guard catches them. Now, I know a lot of you are probably thinking, why didn't you do ramen considering that this film is literally about ramen? Well, I think the film probably answers that for me myself in that I don't know if I actually have the talent or the right to be able to make ramen as good as the film suggests. And with my limited time at the moment being a father of a five-month-old baby, I thought the omurice would be a great thing to make. Now, I have made omelette rice for a film and food podcast episode before, and that was for the series Midnight Diner. However, this omurice is slightly different in that it uses hot sauce as an element of the recipe and that has added a little bit of a twist to the way that I've made this omurice. So I added a bit of an Australian twist to this recipe and instead of using a traditional hot sauce I used an Australian hot sauce that I was gifted as a Christmas present. It's called a Bill and Nudgel smoked hot sauce and it is incredibly delicious. It has these kind of rich barbecue flavors and uses the salt from the Murray River as a beautiful rich flavor enhancer for this recipe. So I tried to follow as authentically as possible to the chef in the film. So I boiled my rice and then I fried my rice and added a bit a bit of hot sauce to color my rice and to get it all kind of as crunchy and as fried as possible. Then I made my omelet by using three eggs and swishing them with my chopsticks before flipping it onto my rice and then I added a nice splash of hot sauce all down the length of my omelette and I must say it was incredibly delicious. It definitely was really hot. <laughs> I'm, I love spice but I think I probably put too much hot sauce on this one but it was incredibly tasty and incredibly easy and incredibly satisfying to make. So Definitely recommend you go and check this one out. It's a great thing to make for an easy lunch or an easy dinner, or if you're on your own and you just need something quick and easy to make, I definitely recommend you go and try this one out. So you can find the recipe in the show notes of this episode, as well as on our social media platforms and our website. So please, we would love to see you make your own twists and variations on this recipe. I'd love to see photos. I'd love to know if you can make an omelette because I found it pretty tricky to make mine. I've only just gotten the hang of it. Please let us know. Email us. Let us know on social media. would love to hear how you went. And I'm going to pass it back to my conversation with Gwyn and myself as we finish talking about Tempopo. Yeah. Yeah, I think... Uh... I think absolutely, uh, absolutely, and uh, the way that we, uh, the way that uh, you know, you say we should do it is just to uh, basically recite the recipe step by step, uh, and then uh, send you the audio file so you can integrate it back into here. Or 
Yeah, I mean that uh, would be that would be amazing. Um, you know, even even just sending me your recipe would be incredible. But yeah, if you could if you could walk through it, if you're willing to do that, that would be a, a gift to our to our listeners because I know I'll probably do a bit of that. Um, and I'll also yeah. attach that recipe in the in the show notes so they can go and um yeah go and 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 do that. So yeah, um, yeah, I think I, that's I think I can great. do that. Maybe I'll okay. even attempt a. And, you know, ASMR Mephiot or something like that. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Just thinking out loud. No, that sounds good. Okay. Chris here talking about Gwyn's recipe for char soba. I'm sorry, but we can't bring you the ASMR version as promised. But we do have a fantastic recipe that Gwyn has commissioned me to talk to you about. And so I'll read his words describing this recipe. Having already seen so many types of piping hot ramen in Tempopo, I think a need to switch things up is in order. The best way to do so for this occasion, I'd say, is by giving you this recipe of cold noodles from green tea, also known as Zaru Char Soba. It should be the perfect dish for the summer, or, you know, an increasingly warm planet. So the ingredients for this recipe includes a package of char soba, a bottle of siu, a dipping sauce for noodles, which is available in stores, a bottle of ice water or ice cubes, and optional toppings that include scallions, nori seaweed, wasabi, tamago, candy kambako, akura, so on and so forth, as you please. And then these are the steps you need to follow. Prepare a pot of boiling water, then put your noodles in. It might be tempting, but but do not add salt or even oil. <clears throat> if you'd like, reserve a bit of the cooking water. Put the cooked noodles in a colander or sieve and run them under cold water. Drain the water, then put the noodles into the bowl of ice water or toss ice cubes onto the noodles. This process won't take long. That's it. Now either transfer the noodles onto bamboo mats placed on plates or straight onto the plates. Add your preferred toppings. Pour some siu into a small bowl. Now you can dip the noodles into the siu and enjoy. The cooking water from earlier, add it to the CU so you can have a soup accompanying the dish. Gwyn, thank you so much for providing this recipe. It sounds incredibly delicious. I haven't made it yet, but I'm so, so excited to try it out. And you should too. This recipe might even be better than my recipe for Omu rice, but definitely go and check both of them out. They are in the show notes of this episode on social media. Go and check them out. Once again, thank you, Gwyn, for bringing us this recipe. It's super, super appreciated. And I can't wait to give it a go. And if you make this recipe, please, I'm sure Gwyn and myself would love to see some photos. So please send us your photos of either recipe. Let us know on social media how you went. Go and try out both those recipes in the show notes on social media. You can't miss them. Now, for uh, uh, anybody listening, um, can you tell us where they can find you on the internet, where they can find your work? How could they read some of the things that you have been writing? Well, um, I do hang around on social uh, social media. Um, on Twitter, I am NLE318. And on Facebook, I am N-G-U-Y-E-N dot L-E dot 334. Okay, fine. I know it's sad that I memorized my 
the you know the URL to my Facebook profile. But I, I wasn't going to. I wasn't going <laughs> to say it. So you've got to promote your work. So it's all good. <laughs> yeah. So um, I post my work uh, on there, and uh, you know, whenever I'm in the mood for you know to try out new recipes and do the occasional cooking, I will post my results on there too. And uh, yeah, just by saying that. You know, I could always use more friends. So, you know, hit me up. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, yeah, take the mantra of this movie and let's all be friends. Um, so, yeah, please make sure you, um, you go and follow Gwen online. Um, definitely a great follow. I don't watch as many movies uh, these days as he does. So if you want to stay pretty up to date, he's a definitely an amazing follow with some great writing. So please please go and do that. And um, yeah, I just, just want to thank you for taking the time today. I think we had a, a really wonderful conversation and um, you'd be very welcome back onto the show to talk about another movie if that was something you wanted to do. Yeah. I mean, again, it's just, it's just, a, it's just an honor and, you know, thank you for reaching out in the first place. And it's, it's such a delight. And I, I, Maybe you know you just you just worked uh, some uh, temporal magic uh, on me as well because you know your we earlier we did mention that food brings people together and hello voila here here you are a podcast about film and food you know bringing us together so okay well that about does it for this episode a film and food review of the 1985 film Tempopo thank you so much to Gwyn Lee for coming on the show. I know it was a while to get it all organized, but it was so worth the chat and he's just such an amazing writer and a wonderful human being and I think we just had a wonderful conversation. I definitely think everybody listening should go and check out his writing. So you are going to find all the links to his Facebook, his Twitter, all of his writing in the show notes. So make sure you go and check him out. Give him a follow. You're definitely not going to regret it and you're going to be exposed to his fantastic writing and his fantastic work so thanks again for coming on the show Gwyn and you're very welcome to come back on the show again make sure you go and try out those recipes would love to see photos would love to hear how you went so jump on social media Facebook Twitter Instagram email let us know how you went would love to see photos would love to hear how you went if you've been enjoying the film and food podcast can I ask you a favor can you give us a five-star rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts? These ratings help us get up the rankings and help us get into the ears of more and more people who need to listen to our show. So thank you to everyone who's given us a five-star rating or review. Make sure you email us. The address is fans at filmandfoodpodcast.com. That's fans at filmandfoodpodcast.com. And follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Join the conversation, get involved. We would love to hear from you. Make sure you subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting platform or on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, wherever there's podcasts, you'll find us. And thank you so much for your support. What did you think of the film Tempopo? And what did you think of our recipe this episode? Give us feedback, suggest a movie or TV show to review next. The most important thing is to join the conversation. Until next time, goodbye and thanks for listening.